Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the Biz Bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hola, hola, bienvenidos, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with someone that I love so much <laughs> and that I've been on my own, like, physical, internal, and literal journeys with. Everyone, please welcome Janelle Cortez. Hey, thank you for having me, Vanessa. Super excited to be chatting with you this morning. I'm so excited to be here with you. Before we get into it, I want to give a little brief bio, because as you know, we're also multidimensional, especially this amazing mujer that's with us today. So let me get into it. Janelle Cortez is a choreographer, travel professional, and entrepreneur that grew up in the Maryland area and now resides in New York City and Havana, Cuba. Cuba. She is the founder of the Groove Fit Dance Company and Groove Trips, LLC, both intergenerational companies that promote community, accessibility, and sustainability. Now, you all heard that. It was a little brief, but let me tell you, we're going to go on a journey with Janelle because she is not she is not brief, my people. She is not brief, okay? She is deep. She is um, engaging. She is wise, and she is inspiring beyond all else. So I met Janelle in I think it was two thousand five or two thousand six, where I was sitting there trying to manifest like the best belly dance class and teacher because I knew I wanted to do it. And I went into a what was was it a New York sports club. And they had, so I kept putting little papers in, like, bring in a belly dance teacher, bring in. And one day I walk in and there's a belly dance teacher and there she is. And it's Janelle and the class is on and the music's starting. And we're like, and she just goes into it, not giving us a moment to breathe. She's like, let's go. Jimmy, shimmy across the floor. And I fell in love with Janelle. I fell in love with even, I felt a vibe of already sisterhood that was forming and then, of course, my friends and I stuffed that little box of suggestions and she wound up coming in. And after that, Janelle, we literally followed you everywhere. We would be like 91st and 3rd on Thursday. Let's go. And Canal Street, Monday, whatever. We were like Queens, Sunnyside, Astoria, running around. So, you know, and it was so impactful in my life. And we'll get into that later. But how did you first come to dance what was your story? Was it something that you've always done? Was it, was there a turning point? How did you first start dancing? And how did you decide <laughs> to make this like your, your path, your business, your work, your calling, or it called you? You know, it, it wasn't much decision. It was already written. You know, I was one of those children that was on a table dancing, embarrassing the hell out of my mom, you know, as a kid. 
Uh, I was always the life of the party at all of the family functions. They would put on at Baile del Perrito. And here I am like three, four years old, like, you know, Baile del Perrito pushing it back. Uh, I was just that kid. Music for me has always been therapeutic. Uh, yoga, you know, my yoga was ballet. So having all of this energy running around probably had undiagnosed ADHD when I was younger. I mean, people really didn't get diagnosed for that uh, in in the early 80s. Um, but I was definitely one of those kids that had way more energy than my mother knew what to do with. And the first thing she thought of was, okay, she likes dance. Let me put her in a dance class. And I just took to it. I absolutely loved it. Every time, you know, I would stand in front of the bar, learning first position and second position and doing my plies and tendus, as repetitive and as boring as some people might think that is. For me, it was what calmed me and centered me. And I had my spot in the class that I would run to. And it was, there was this window that overlooked a parking lot, but it was something about just looking outside and looking beyond that um, just gave me a lot of hope. And this feeling that there was an entire world out there that I was going to discover one day. So I've always been a dancer, a dreamer, a wanderer, um, you know, a very romantic uh, person, um, who's always uh, looked towards the future. So I don't know, dance allowed me to do that, to go into this fantasy world in my mind and escape. And uh, it's just something that I think has always been inside me. And so luckily I was able to take dance class um, my pretty much my whole life uh, from about ages four to 16, I took ballet uh, on a pretty much daily or every other day basis. Um, and I did a lot of performances. I was on point. I did the whole tutus and all of that. And even though I didn't look like a typical ballet dancer, um, I was lucky enough to have uh, instructors that believed in me and gave me opportunity to dance on stage. And it was, um, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And then from there, uh, you know, it just kind of evolved. I love that. I, I imagine I was with you, like looking out the parking lot and how you were saying, wow, there's a whole world out there for me to explore. Um, and so you're dancing all your life. You get to school. How do you um, wind up creating your business? How do you wind up becoming a Middle Eastern dance performer? And I know you also have salsa and samba. Everything, uh, flamenco. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, again, I mean, I, I again, I was lucky because I got ballet exposed me to not just you know certain types of technique, but it was the music. The music was so different from what I grew up in in my house. In my house, it was merengue, it was salsa, it was you know Caribbean rhythms. I mean, my mother also has incredible taste in music, so I got to. It was very worldly, but there's something about classical music and ballet that's very dreamy and also very dramatic. And so there was something else that I was, uh, you know, exposed to. So I was really lucky to have a very well-rounded kind of um, worldview through dance, even though I hadn't traveled anywhere, I didn't do anything, but this music was able to transport me. So fast forward, you know, I get to New York, I'm going to Fordham University because 
as a lot of Latinos, a lot of Caribbean people, I mean, a lot of um, people that are not from this country can probably relate to is that, you know, we we love the arts, we love music, we love dancing and all of that, but your parents don't necessarily want you to do that as your career. So in my mind, dance was always going to be something that was my escape, my therapy, my yoga, my hobby, but it wasn't going to be my career. And so when I went to Fordham University, the idea was that I was going to be an attorney. So I studied political science. I did a couple of, you know, study abroads. Um, got lucky and went to South Africa and I got to do a criminal justice program and I even entered for Congressman Crowley. So I was really on this path. I was still taking dance classes though. So I'm glad I didn't let that go. Um, and then when I got to graduate school, I, I had just had enough. I just I got to a point where I felt like, one, I'm in debt to my ears. You know, we're already like 75K in and I'm not even done with my master's yet. Um, and is this really what I want to do? Um, and I and I was unsure. So thankfully, um, there was a Bronx Dance Theater right down the street from Fordham University. I walked in there one day and I said, hey, do you guys need um, help with any of your dance classes? Um, you know, how can I be of assistance? And they were like, oh, funny thing that you walk in here because we need, and then they listed like seven or eight dance classes that need they needed fulfilled. So for me, that was um, like an uh, the universe basically saying, there are other opportunities for you. If you're going to be miserable and you're going to be broke, at least try something else, you know, see what happens if you try it out in your passion. You might still be a broke dancer, but at least you won't be miserable. So for me, it was very easy to make the transition from grad school. And at that point, I had been in corporate America for about a year and a half, and I hated it. Uh, it definitely wasn't everything that you see on TV, um, you know, where you're going to work nine to five and, you know, uh, be in your in this corporate world in your cute little suits and the shoes that you change in and out of or anything like that. All of that is is a fantasy. The reality was nothing like that. Um, and I just that environment for me was very it, it just didn't work for me. So to make that transition to taking the, you know, the chance and and jumping over to dance, that was that was a no-brainer for me. And I felt like it was divine intervention because it happened like that. The moment I went to seek it, it made it, it was available to me. So I didn't think twice. That's amazing. I'm a dance teacher. <laughs> That's amazing, amazing. And I just want to say like, I've been in so many different dance classes in New York City. And yes, there were teachers who had their following but I mean, you had this huge, crazy following where like I was not joking earlier, like we all be texting 91st and 3rd, meet here, meet there, do this, do that. Um, and I know that you taught us so many different types of classes. Mm -hmm. How did you come to focus in on Middle Eastern dance class? And then like you've created like events and shows and trips to Egypt, like. Well, OK, so dancing. Okay, when you're a ballet dancer, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess, you're a bit of a dance snob because you have all of this technique, 
and you think to yourself, this is the most complicated dance style. There is nothing that could possibly be as difficult as ballet, right? So when you're a ballet dancer, you think that you can do anything. Um, and since I already was good at salsa, because naturally this is what we dance at home and merengue and all of that stuff, I thought that I could do anything. And I remember the first time that I heard Tarkan's Kiss Kiss. That was probably the first uh, MIDI song that I heard. And it was at my Lebanese friend's like random birthday party or something like that. And I was like, my God, what is this music? I absolutely love it. She was like, oh yeah, this is Tarkan. Da, 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 da. This is a very popular song right now and this and that. And I think that that's what piqued my interest in, oh, let me you know check out what this is all about. And I remember that Broadway Dance Center at that time was, um, you know, had a belly dance class. So I said, oh, let me check this out. This is probably, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't, you know, I, I think you psych yourself up for other types of classes. Like if I were going to go take a tap class or like a contemporary dance class or something like that, I would look up the teacher. I would do a little recon. I would probably watch the class from outside a couple of times, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, let me just go have fun in this class. What? This class kicked my ass. It was such a humbling experience in the best way. First of all, the woman who taught the class, her name was Amira Moore. She was in her 40s and about the most gorgeous thing I had ever laid my eyes on. I mean, everything about her from uh, the way she moved, her hair, the body, she was like pow, pow, pow. And she was in her 40s and so fabulous. And I had never seen anybody command a room and all of those people in the way that she did. I was left floored and completely enamored um, with every aspect of the experience. And I enjoy this joy that I could not explain because the music is so infectious. And going back to what I told you about you know, ballet music. And even when you have like the classical piano and all of that, I don't know if I had ever felt that type of exuberance and energy and all of that, that I felt after that class. And, and I, I mean, and I've had like live, like uh, Juilliard pianists play in a ballet class. And I'm telling you, I just, I'd never experienced anything quite like this belly dance class. And so I said to myself, I just need more of this. And I, I just became addicted. I think that's what happens to a lot of people. <laughs> art form, which is why the term crazy belly dancer is, is a coin term <laughs> because you become a belly dance addict and then your whole life becomes that. And I remember when I told my mom, like, I'm going to be a belly dancer. And I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that at all. And, and now that I'm a bit removed from it, I was like, my God, these people thought I was batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and my entire life became uh, Middle Eastern dance. But I think that the reason that I had the following, yes, I once I fell in love with it, I approached it with the same seriousness that I did any other art form. It's like the respect changed immediately after that first class. And so I studied it the way that I studied ballet. The, the same way you're gonna do a hundred tendus at the beginning 
of a ballet class, you you know, you're going to be doing 100 chest pops. You're going to do hip drops. I mean, to the point that you're almost sore, but the music is so great and you're having so much fun and you're sweating everything off and, and you don't even care. You're like dancing through the pain because it's so great. Um, that's the seriousness that I, that I approached belly dance with. And I think that my students that came across that I actually cared um, that you guys not only had a good time, but that I brought the best out in you guys. And I think that, um, I think that that came across. And I think that that's the reason why so many people enjoy the classes. Plus where else are you going to get a workout like that? Right. Exactly. No, exactly. I, mean, I think that when we were all dancing five, seven days a week, we were all in the best shape of our lives. Oh, yes, we were. We totally were. And then, you know, we'd go and either do brunch after class or go to dinner. So it was like the social aspect. But for me, it was like you were just so intense and exact and uh, and your energy and I mean, I remember when you started doing the classes with the ballet and I was like, mm, <laughs> I don't want it. But when I took the class, it improved, you know, yeah. you don't want those lobster hands or claw hands. You don't want like the toe you have to. And so all these details and all this, um, the ballet technique that you wanted to give us. But we also have the joy. I mean, time flew. We were in shape. We had fun. We made friends. And did you decide to? To, to travel to Morocco and Egypt and Turkey and all these places because people asked you for it? Was it a combination of your desire meeting the desire of your students? Yeah, I think it was that. I think it's the latter. I think that, well, you have to understand my mom also created an environment in my home where we could dream, you know, it's it's having all of that different type of music kind of transported you to different places, right? And so my mother was also a travel agent at, at, you know, my mother had a few careers and one of them was travel agent. And so I consider myself a second generation travel professional. Um, and I think that, you know, remembering some of the trips that we took, like when I got a little older and I, um, and at like my early 20s, my mother took me on uh, what they call fam trips, which are familiarization trips for travel agents to go check out different places so they can be able to sell that to their, their clients. And so I already had that kind of like in the back of my mind of how it would work to go do these recon trips and things like that. But it really came up because I wanted to travel and get to know places, but also, I felt that if people were going to be learning about Middle Eastern dance, that they should go to the places where this uh, these this music is from, where the dances come from, so that they could better express that um, that emotion can come through on stage. I mean, when you think about it, we have two arms, two legs, uh, two shoulders, two hips, right? So there's only there is a finite combination of moves that you can actually do. What makes jazz different from ballet, different from belly dance, different from tap is the mood. You know, there's a cha-cha-cha. It's the same thing as a chasse. It's the same thing as a Susie Q. But what changes it? What is it that makes it different for every single type of dance? 
it's the mood, it's the culture, it's, is it um, nuanced or is it something that's very overt? Um, All of those things I think are cultural and social and that kind of stuff, you have to see that, experience that in order to, to understand and be able to express that properly. I love that. And I, I, just in my mind, I went to when we were preparing for the Hispanic parade and you're like, Susie Q, Susie Q, we were doing the salsa. And it's just, yeah. and then you're like, it's a similar to that. It's true. It is the mood. It's it the is mood. The it's the culture. If you, if I you know, think about it, when we do like shoulder shimmies, right? Um, it's a lot more coquettish. It's very like, you can have it and now you can't. It's very, it's, you're playing around. It's playful. It's very coy, right? In Latin dance, it's like, boom, come here, get, you know, it's very different. And so how women express themselves and how they behave, um, how women, I thought I had my phone on do not disturb. Let me try that. <laughs> Hold on. Let me put this. This is what happens when you're recording. <laughs> Um, my apologies, but you have, um, you know, when women express themselves and are able to be in certain cultures might look different. Right. Um, and I think that it expresses itself in dance as well. It's mirrored. And so I wanted the women that were dancing with me to be able to invoke all of that when they could be rock out there and when they had to be a little more um, demure. And Mm. so I love it because we all have these things and sometimes you can, you know, you have to turn it on and turn it off, dial it up, dial it down. And uh, it's no different when you're performing for sure. I love that. I love that. And that makes so much sense. And it's such, it it becomes much more of an embodied experience, right? When you can embody the culture or at least, try to learn how to connect in that way. Yeah. And I remember to Egypt, that was incredible. And learning from the teachers and just being in the space with all these, as you said, the crazy belly dancers. Um, um, I absolutely also loved the just the physical challenge of doing <laughs> like three, four workshops in one day, like two hours here and then run to this salon and go three hours there. Uh, it was a marathon. I I'm I absolutely love the festival experience, the frenzy of it, that everyone's there to do the same thing. Um, yes. I think that when I was younger, I liked the competitive aspect of it. Now that I'm older, I'm like, I don't care, whatever. You could you could be in the front row and do your thing and do a split when you finish, and it's fine. Uh, excuse me, but I think when I was younger, I think that. I had a little bit more of that competitive spirit and I really enjoyed like, yeah, I'm going to go in this class and kick butt. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love it. I love you get it. to enjoy it, you know, for me and I applaud other people, um, you know, showing up and showing out because that is part of dance as well as seeing people, you know, perform even in class. And I, I, for one, love that. I don't think that that's everyone's cup of tea and Uh, I'm sure that there are a couple of people that might be intimidated by stuff like that in class. I personally uh, love seeing people put their own twists on choreographies and um, just watching people's artistry come to life like that. Sometimes it's the only opportunity they have to do that, you know? 
the only space that they have that they can do that. So I love that dance class provides that, you know, and then they, when they walk back out the door, they become like this other, per, you know, their normal self, but in class they can be on and perform and let it all out. And I, I love watching that expression. I love that. And you have such beautiful space for us to do that. And that's one of the things that I think when people didn't understand why I was taking so many belly dance classes with you, my mom was like, I know Mio, are you going to go become a belly dancer now? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> and you know, it was after my big breakup when I canceled the wedding and I was just like, mom, I'm not falling over drunk in a bar. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not doing this. I'm not dropping out of my job. I am dancing and feeling safe with women who care about me and and doing something that I love with music that's inspiring me. So, yeah, like you said, people get a little like, oh, what is that? And also, I think that in this very patriarchal world that we still live in, um, whenever women are moving their bodies, people in general think that it's about men. But I was like... I got to be, like you said, you walk through the door and outside the door, we are careful, especially in New York. I mean, to some degree, we have to be aware. Is there somebody following me? Is there something, you know, things happen, right? At least for me, I was aware of those things. I was walking home at night. But when I walked into that belly dance space with you and took off my shoes or put on my little dance shoes and you feel the wooden floor, you see the friends and we're all there for the same thing. And you're like, let's go, you know, and we're like just in it. And we're expressing and playful and being in our bodies in ways that sometimes is not safe in the world. Yeah. It's very healing. I think it provided a space for all types of women, all ages, all body uh, types to be to come in and be celebrated. I mean, <laughs> we had we had people that would come in from their nights out. You remember those two girls? I, uh, yeah. I still keep up with a with one of them uh they would come in with their makeup on and like reeking yeah. of booze and I'm like oh my god they just came from the club and they probably stayed up all night probably went to some like after party and now here they are in belly dance class and we would just laugh with them and have the best time and then we'd have people that would do their own choreographies in class <laughs> and all of it was accepted we loved it not everybody you know moved as fast or got the choreographies as quickly and all of that but it wasn't about that it was about people coming in communing um, letting it all go on the dance floor, you know, and and just feeling like we did something together. And nobody was thinking about any man or work stress or kids or whatever. That hour was completely ours. Yeah, yeah. I, nobody else. And it was all just in that room. And it was this uh, beautiful and infectious energy um, and everyone walked out of there so much lighter, no matter what was going on. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that to me was the most important thing that was created there. And how could you not keep wanting that feeling? So no wonder, yeah, we're going to, we'll, I'll see you at the next class in a couple hours. All right, we'll do it all over again. And oh, yeah. When you used to do those events, uh, the events that were really long, and it was like samba and salsa, and it was just like, and I'd be like, yeah, that's where I'm going to be all day. And people were like, what? But I just remember that. walking out, like, exhausted in a good way, not exhausted from a long day of work or, you know, stress, like, exhilarated, cleared, 
joyful. So it wasn't like a regular exhaustion. It was just like, okay, my body and my mind have been really well used, you know, and now I'm going to walk out. So I'm just so grateful to you for that. I just want to honor you like in front of everyone and whoever's listening, like those, I look back and I'm like, what an important time in my life. And I'm so glad that we're still connected because I think you made such a difference to so, so many people. I don't even think that, you know, so I hope that you receive that love. Now I'm going to get all teary eyed, but thank you. Yeah, it was really important for me to have that, especially as someone who holds space for other people. And so I know we're going to get to your retreat soon and the things that you're doing now, but I think that for leaders and healers and space holders and nurturers, and I mean, what woman isn't in some capacity a nurturer and a space holder? In some way, she must be, whether to herself or to her children or at work. And we need those safe spaces where we can connect to our bodies and we can connect to our breath and we connect to music and we can be exhilarated and transported and allowed to be everything that we are and even what we don't even know that we are. Um, I, I really appreciate your words because I do feel like I'm in a place where I'm admitting to myself how much I miss this part of my life. Um, I, I, I miss the community and I, I miss um, having that impact on other people, but I also miss what it gave me. Um, and, you know, to do, I was just at the Savannah um, music festival teaching salsa um, right before Eddie Palmieri's set and you know to be asked to do something like that was such an honor because he's a legend yes in, uh, the Latin and in the jazz world in the Latin music world um, this guy is 86 years old and he's still doing it you know, he's still, even though they had those like, literally propped up at the piano and he's, you know, he's playing and doing his thing. But it was beautiful to see somebody like that still expressing themselves on stage and sharing their artistry. There is no time limit on this, you know, even if you're not doing it full out at 100 percent, like you're it's not about that. It's about just being able to get up there and share this gift because that that is what it is and when you're an artist you're an artist forever and I think that there's something that happens when you deny yourself that for whatever reasons you know I'm I'm still to be very honest with you I'm still unpacking why it is that I pulled away in the way that I did um I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, we can sit here. We would probably sit here for hours. This podcast would be hours long if we tried to really go down that road. But what I do know is that I, you know, I miss my shimmy sisters and I miss uh, teaching at the capacity that uh, I was teaching. And because this was my, uh, like I said, my yoga, my escape, my therapy for, for so long, um, it has been very difficult finding anything that could that can replace that. I mean, I don't think there is anything, you know, because when you're born with something, uh, you have to feed it. You it's it's you. This is this is a part of you. And so I'm 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 definitely hearing and heeding to the call to go back to my nature. So mm-hmm. I'll be making my trips to New York. More classes very soon. <laughs> God, that's my dream come true. I'm manifesting it. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, okay, we're, I am, I am. Because I mean, like you said, once you've tasted that, like, you know, I'm ruined. You know what I'm saying? Like I go into uh, other spaces and I go into other spaces and I've had other teachers and I'm just like, it's not Janelle. <laughs> Janelle. No, it's Janelle. You know, and I literally am that dramatic. Like I literally come out I tell my husband, he, I took a class around here and I was like, my shirt is dry. <laughs> oh my God. An hour and the shirt is dry. You do not understand. In Janelle's class, you are wringing out your shirt. You are wringing out your shirt. And so, I mean, we could talk about just dance and the impact of it forever, but forever. I do get to, <laughs> and I'm excited to hear that you are reconnecting and, you know, we could spend hours unpacking that. And I know that you're doing that. But there's also times, like for me, I've pulled away from teaching as much, and I've been teaching for a long, long time, but 12 years straight online. Uh, there's times where we are guided into other spaces to grow in other ways. We can come then come back and redefine it in our own way of what is needed at the time. And I know you know that. How did you come to, because you do so much work with, with charity, with Cuba, like how did that come about? And Groove Trips, yes. Oh, okay. So we touched briefly on the trips that um, I would take my students on. And what ended up happening after doing a couple trips to Egypt and Morocco and Greece and Turkey and other places was that people were like, okay, tell us about these trips now. I, you know, I'm interested. I want to know what's going on. Um, and initially the the slant or the perspective was to approach uh, travel, you know, in this way that we supported local artists, dancers, painters, you know, anyone that was um, in the arts that was on the ground enterprising. So instead of using like these big box tour companies, I would focus on finding people that were starting small businesses on the ground that had something to do with tourism, but that had this artistic slant. So I started bringing people that weren't just in the dance community. They may have been like, you know, dance lovers or, you know, into music or whatever. And the trips started in that way. And then it just evolved into different types of trips. Um, and going to Cuba gave me the opportunity to meet all of these uh, community organizations that were on the ground. You know that there the need over there is unlike anything that we're used to here in the States. And to see that um, beyond like a tourist um, uh, standpoint, uh, to be there, spend all the time that I was spending there was just hard not to do something. So I got involved with different dance programs uh, that were on the ground, different music programs, and then just naturally evolved into having this um, give back uh, component to the trips that I was doing. And so that's how that began. And since 2016, uh, all of the trips that we do to Cuba, and now I'm incorporating this give back component in other uh, places that we go to, um, I make sure that either a small percentage uh, goes to certain organizations like Paso a Paso, um, the autistic school in Guanabacoa, 
Um, there are other organizations uh, like that are associated with like Fabrica del Arte, that they have like children's programs. So we make sure that we're giving back to them in some way. It could be giving physical, you know, actual donations, even giving money um, and giving of our time of our service. So mm, I love that so much, Janelle. It's it's and I know that you've been now going also to Ghana to other places like, what are some of the other trips that you've been guiding and leading? Yeah, so I think that as I've gotten older, there's just been a call to come back to myself, uh, to who I am authentically, what is, you know, who I am, uh, what is the essence of me. And I think a lot of it has uh, been discovering my past. What does that mean? Who are my ancestors? Where do I come from? You know, I'm a Dominican woman, um, you know, who comes from a place where colonialism has really done a number on my people as far as their self-esteem, the way they deal with other people, um, the way that the hierarchy, the colorism, uh, the elitism, the classism, all of this has to do with um, this really horrible uh, institution that was imposed on on this island. You know, the the horrific act of slavery, the genocide. All my my island has been impacted by it. I've been impacted by it. Um, it's something that you know we still haven't really acknowledged as people and i've just felt the need as i've gotten older to delve into that um and see how i can heal myself and other people around me um, by gaining knowledge so doing my 23 and me and finding out that i'm part senegalese part ghanaian part uh, eritrean um, also there's some North African in there. There's a, a bunch of other stuff. Oh, Nigerian as well. Um, but the the biggest chunk was uh from Ghana. And so that was a no-brainer for me that I wanted to go to the Gold Coast and learn about Ghana, learn about the the history, um, how my people may have come about. And um, yeah, this it, it's basically going home, you know, and it's a homecoming. And I cannot tell you how beautiful and heart-wrenching and um, uh, what is the word when you're having like a full circle moment, you know, just feeling like a completion, a sense of completion. And, you know, what's interesting is that this goes back to a conversation you and I had in the Dominican Republic where you gave me, told me about the number 10, and you said something about uh, things ending and things beginning. So I just felt, uh, yeah, just having that full circle moment. That's kind of been the theme for this year for me. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And how amazing that now you are, you're going home and also creating a way forward for people to also go home and reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. We had like 17 people on that first, uh, on that first tour and we also had, oh, sorry, I don't know if someone's coming in this room. Okay, good. Uh, we had 17 people on that first trip. And now what's happened since that trip to Ghana, I have two churches that are going to be going out there in February of 2024. It's like a group of 40 people. Wow. So I'm really excited about that. Um, 
we just made sure to tailor this in a way where folks were getting the culture, they were getting the music, they were getting the cuisine, they were also enjoying Afrochella because we went uh, towards the end of the year and they had this incredible music festival going on. So it was a nice balance of, of play and, and learn and and meditation and all of that. So um, I try to keep the trips nice and balanced so that everybody walks away with a little something um, or a lot of something. Uh, <laughs> and so it's caught on. I'm really excited uh, to have another uh, Ghana trip happening for the churches in February. But we also have a trip that's open to the public March 2024. If anybody is interested, they can definitely reach out to me. Yay. So I'm going to put all the links in the podcast um, episode description. So if anybody's interested, you can reach out to Janelle. Janelle, you brought up ancestors and like looking to the past. And, you know, the question that comes to heart is what are some of the ancestral patterns you had to heal or transform or break to be who you are today? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> but um, I, I will say that I come from people that are extremely resilient. They're very strong. They're very knowledgeable. They're also healers, uh, leaders in their own, own right. But they experienced a lot of trauma. They saw a lot of pain. And they were born in a, in a place that had a lot of limitations. You know, my grandparents and my mom... I'm sorry, let me see if this person's coming in. I think someone's coming in here. Give me one. So I'm sorry, as I was saying, you know, I come from people who they've also experienced, um, uh, they come from places from, with a lot of limitations. Um, my, my grandparents and my mom uh, experienced a, a very strong, um, a very, uh, how should I say, it was a, traumatic experience with uh, a dictatorship uh, of Trujillo. And I think that them wanting to come to the United States to give us a different type of, uh, different types of opportunities. Um, it was important for me to honor whatever sacrifices were made, things that I, I will never know and will never really fully understand. Um, it, it's important for me, even when I feel like, giving up or you know that it's too much it's important for me to always remember the sacrifices that they made and that they probably went through things that were unimaginable and that there really isn't anything that's, that I can compare what I'm going through now I, I can't compare it to to the atrocity that a lot of them saw um, and I'm grateful that I can't um, but at the same time, and it's not to diminish anything that we're going through now. We've been through our our, our own stuff, and especially in the last couple of years. But um, I try to carry their strength and their resilience with me and say that, you know, I can get through this. I'm, I'm made up of some strong stuff and uh, I just keep pressing forward. Thank you for that. And um you said resilience. What are some other gifts? Because I think you've alluded to them already. Some of the gifts that you're leaning in and your ancestors, your ancestors. Um, I, I think that of uh, of taking in people, um, the empathy, the leadership, um, accepting people and 
wanting to commune and uh, get together and create something that's bigger than just the moment or just me. Um, I think sharing that uh, and building is something that they, they, the only way that they were able to get us to where we are right now is, is by doing that. I think that uh, there's a saying that we are ancestors wildest dreams. So it's taking their, you know, idea of looking out of a window and seeing beyond and, and making that a reality. Hmm. I love that. And is there anything that you, is there a shout out you want to do right now? And is there anything? Okay. My friend, uh, Yvonne Velasquez that I spoke to, uh, this morning, right before I, I spoke to you, I always want to give a shout out to my mom, uh, who is my rock and, and my 100% best friend. She'll be so happy to hear that because she always wanted to be my best friend when we were younger. And I was like, no way. Like, <laughs> but I can definitely say that she's, she's my bestie. Um, give a shout out to my friend, uh, Johanna Olivas, who loves you. Um, and I'm doing a retreat with her, uh, July 13th through the 16th, I'm going to be teaching belly dancing and she's going to be leading. Um, it's called the, the sacred self-love retreat. We are going to focus on ourselves. We're going to honor ourselves and we're going to do some vibrational, uh, healing, some movement healing and, um, uh, a lot of journaling and meditation and breath work. And it's just going to be a very beautiful experience that she is going to lead us through. And I'm very happy to be working with her on this. And that's going to be in West Virginia at Casa Om. That's July 13th through the 16th. Let's see. So shout out to Johanna. And then, oh, shout out to my friend Vanessa Villaverde that I spoke to also this morning. And both Vanessa and Yvonne, had the same message for me this morning about happiness and how it is our responsibility to be in charge of that and no one else's. So that was the message of the morning. I love it. I love it. And it's so true. happiness for ourselves. Yes. <laughs> and if you could, is there anything on your heart that you want to share with creative entrepreneurs? Cause that's how I see you, you know? Mm. <sighs> Yeah, there is absolutely no blueprint for this. <laughs> there, there isn't. Um, and I think that for a lot of us, and that's self-included, we didn't grow up talking about money and we didn't talk, talk about business or maybe we didn't have parents who they were running businesses or even doing very well in their careers. They were just maybe surviving, you know, and, and doing the best that they could in the moment. So a lot of the business acumen we have had to earn and learn, and that's okay. And it, for some of us, we're a little luckier and preparation is absolutely, I'm, I'm never going to negate how important that is to be prepared and be organized and be fearless because fearlessness uh, is definitely a part of it. You got to put yourself out there. Um, but some of us do have more luck. And some of us are positioned in the right place at the right time. And if you are, take that and run with it. 
because doors open and close very quickly, but they do open again. <laughs> so always remember that. Um, and so I think that it's important to remember, like, we're not done yet. Um, and you're going to have many ups and many downs on this journey. And you may not know that a door has closed for a reason up until maybe months and years later. And it was probably for your good. So don't fight it when it happens. Um, you're allowed to recreate yourself over and over and over and over again. Um, and try to keep a little bit of yourself separated from your business. So if God forbid something happens with your baby that you put so much time and effort and energy into, it doesn't destroy you. Um, it just may suck at the moment and it may be very difficult. Um, but you're, you can, you've got that little bit and you can recreate something with that because what people want is you. You are what makes your business amazing. Okay. Because businesses come and go and become obsolete. And now with chat GBT, we're all screwed. <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to ignore it, but it's not going away. But not really. Yeah. I was trying to ignore it, but it's not going away. Yeah. I can't ignore it. It's not going anywhere. There'll be transformers walking down the street in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and there's that. So um, your brand identity is one thing, but have your identity. That Have your own identity. Have your own life. Be able to separate those things um, because you're you are way more than your business, no matter how amazing you think it is. Um, and yeah, that's that's it. That's the message. <laughs> I love it, Janelle. Thank you so much for being with us. Where can people find you? Everywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Where am I? I am traveling a lot. I have a masterminds coming up May 3rd through May 9th in Mexico. I do have a couple of spaces open for that. And that is open for entrepreneurs that are in various uh, phases of their, um, their business journey. Uh, so if you just want to come and work on your pitch deck or work on your pitch or just throw around some ideas or if you're already um, in, you know, doing your rounds of funding and, you know, you want to get to the next level or you just need to take a break. Um, it's basically open for any woman entrepreneur who wants to enjoy San Miguel de Allende uh, for a few days. So that's happening May 3rd through the 9th in June. I'm in Cuba and in the Dominican Republic. Uh, what month are we now? It's April. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for a while. Where can we find you online if people want to reach out to you? Oh, online. Um, yeah, you can just go to Groove Trips. That's groove-trips.com. Um, and you can always info uh, at Janelle. I'm sorry, info at groove-trips.com if you have any questions about any upcoming trips. Um, and I will definitely be dropping a class schedule once that's ready to go. Yay! Manifesting it. Thank you, Janelle. Thank you, everyone. I hope that you've received these beautiful messages. Janelle has definitely dropped so much wisdom, so much experience, inviting us to reconnect with our artists, to trust ourselves in our flow, and to be fearless and lean into our ancestors' wisdom and resilience. Gracias. Bye, Janelle. Oh, thank you.